A reading from John 1 and 8. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Isaiah 9-2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, and God bless you. And uh, thank you, Pastor Julie, for inviting me. And thank you, everybody else. Um, bear with me. I'm coming off laryngitis, but uh, praise God. He's uh, restored my voice, and I'm very excited to share with you. So um, I just had the pleasure earlier to find that there was another uh, person in your church who has Jewish background as well, so we're all over, you know. Um, you know, we're not afraid of the gospel. It's the power of God onto salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first, then to the, the, the Greek. Why? Because Jesus, the Messiah, he came that none should perish, Jew and Gentile, to be one in his blood. So um, thank you, and I'm um, just so delighted to be here. So we're going to talk about the light and the darkness. And when we think about light and darkness, and, you know, in the Bible, there's many metaphors, right? And ways of understanding things. And the Lord God makes a way for us to understand something. We wouldn't be able to understand things if we weren't able to see something somewhat tangible, to see what light was, to see what darkness was. How would we understand the spiritual aspect if we didn't understand the physical? And so in the Bible, throughout, from Genesis to Revelation, you know, we have many things, but we have bookends in Genesis, in the creation with the light, and then later in Revelation chapter 22, when there's not going to be a moon, there's not going to be sun, who's going to be the light? Is going to be the Shekinah glory of the Lord. We don't need that, right? So it's the that aspect. Now, light. Light is an overarching, central, um, definitive metaphor of Jewish understanding of all reality. Light in Judaism is so pervasive that it's almost overlooked, like the air that we breathe. Okay, and but once you stop. And you think a minute about the light, and you look. Then you all of a sudden say, oh my goodness, it's everywhere. Why? And then tie it in with the spiritual. God is everywhere. And at this time of Advent and Christmas, right, we're celebrating Christians. We use light, what? To celebrate the power of what? Spiritual hope right? Jesus being the light of the world. 
the Savior, the promised Messiah, in the scriptures. We sing about them. Micah 5.2, O little town of Bethlehem. It's a, the Bible tells us where he was going to be born. And Isaiah, the kingship, the scepter, you know, all these um, different things in scripture. So, Hanukkah in, Ju in Judaism. It's the lighting of the menorah. The miracle of lights is what it's called. So, when we're going to look at this now, I'm going to start off and I'm going to share with you something. And then we're going to do a little backtracking so we can go forward to see what Jesus meant when he said, I am the light of the world. To see what God is meaning when he says, God is light. And to also unpack the people walking in darkness will see a great light. So, now, Matthew 2, 2. It asks, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We, we saw his star east and have come to worship him. So, the Bible talks, people knew that there was going to be a promise of a Messiah, and the kingship would be tied into this. So, the Magi, from the east to Jerusalem, right? This journey took about 900 to 1,000 miles. Probably took several weeks. And these Magi, may have heard of this king of the Jews, this king that was going to be promised, that was prophesied in the scripture. How did they know? Perhaps when the Jews were in Babylon captivity. Remember Daniel? And, and, and so they, 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 uh, there were Jews that also remained in Babylon, right? So what did they know? Well, they may have read the prophetic expectation of Israel's coming king. Numbers 24, verse 17. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. This is what they knew. This is what they read. The word scepter, it speaks of kingship. The magi, they believed an extremely bright star indicated the birth of a king. So special this star would be that uh, it alerted them to what they had heard in the Jewish prophecy. They had access to the book of Daniel and other prophetic scriptures that described the coming of Messiah, his appearance, his place of birth, his kingly rule. So the prompting of the Holy Spirit and the realization of a king Jesus' magnitude and greatness had been born, probably motivated these magi to make this very long trip of a thousand miles. They knew to head towards Jerusalem. How? What does scripture tell us? Because the stars of the stars leading. Now there will be people who will say, ah, you know what? That was a, that could be like a, an alignment of the planets and, and a supernova and a comet. You know what? You're always going to have people who don't believe. You're going to always have people who want to usurp the word of God and not take scripture for the truth that it is. But we know God's word is faithful 
It is true. This is the word of God. If God says it, it comes to pass, right? So biblical scholars don't believe in these natural explanations. Oh, this has to be a big comet, or this has to be a big supernova. Scriptures suggest that the star of Bethlehem was not a natural constellation or stellar phenomenon, but rather a special star created by God Almighty, creator of the universe, for the unique purpose of guiding these wise men, the Magi, to King Jesus. If the star in Bethlehem had just been a regular star, like on a clear night when we see our stars, right? The magnitude and the brightness of it would have destroyed Earth. Its intense brightness radiated the brilliance of God's glory. I'll teach you some Hebrew. Kavod. Say kavod. kavod. That's glory. That's glory in Hebrew. Kavod. Often called the Shekinah glory of God. So, such was the case when the angel announces Christ's birth to the shepherds and the glory of the Lord shone around them. In addition, for people that want to say, no, 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 you know, there's always like natural explanations. We can, we can, we can disembowel that. Stars naturally move from east to west due to the Earth's rotation. But scripture says that the star of Bethlehem moved from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, north to south. Scripture also says that the star went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Well, I don't know about you, but when you look up in the sky and see stars, natural stars never stop moving nor do they lead people to a particular location, as did this star. So when people try to sit there and say something, you know what, you can, you can dispute them and say, no, stars don't move that way, and it moved north to west instead of, you know, so uh, north to south, rather, from, uh, <coughs> um, because they normally move east to west, right? But in this case, it moved north to south, and it stopped and let them know exactly where baby Jesus was. That's a God thing. That's a miracle. That's the Shekinah glory of God. And so now, to understand light, all right, and, and what does that mean, mean for us, right? Well, when God created the earth, right, the sun was not created until what day? The fourth day. So, but light was on the first day of creation. And God said, let there be light, right? And he separated light from darkness and the expanse, okay? So how can they, this be? Well, God is light. In John, 1 John 1, 5, it declares, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. God himself was the light the first three days of creation. 
just as he will be in the new heavens and earth. There will be no more night. There will be no more need for a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the bookends I'm talking about. Genesis, the creation, and now in Revelation. Until God created the sun, the moon, the stars, it was God who miraculously provided light during the day, and he had done so during the night as well. So, this is God's Shekinah glory. So we understand from the very beginning, we know God is a spirit. We know God is light. That light existed before the sun, the moon, the stars. Because it's his Shekinah glory. He doesn't need that. This is not, the, the, not only the physical uh, descriptive, but, but also the spiritual now that we can tap into. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Much more important than the light of day and night is the light who provides eternal life to all who believe in him. Those who do not believe in him will be doomed, right? Outer darkness, where there will be that weeping and gnashing. Because what is darkness? That is a total separation from God. Being in the light of God, walking in the light of God, uh, being uh, reflecting uh, the light of God. When, you know, is, is when God said, let there be light at the creation, and that light appeared, it showed God's creative power and his absolute control. Why? Because we serve a God who's in a God of order, a God who's in control, a God who's sovereign over all things. That is why we surrender. We bow to him. We only worship him, right? The physical light that God made on that first day of creation is a wonderful picture of what he does in every heart. You and I, as we trust in Christ Jesus, the true light, there is no need to, for us to walk in darkness with sin and death in Christ. We will not walk in, in that darkness because we have the light of life. The Bible tells us that the light of Christ serves as a light to all people. The life is that light of truth. That message of Christ's salvation is eternal life. God has given us eternal life. What an amazing gift. The brilliance of Christ's life, the truth that shines in this light and darkness in the world. When we see our candles lit, let it be a reminder of the light that is in you, of the indwelt Holy Spirit that shines, okay? Because it is Jesus. It is Jesus. And when we accept him and say, Lord, I believe, I receive you, forgive me, because without repentance, you can't have renewal. And when that happens, God doesn't see all the junk in us. He forgives us, no matter what we did. And then he transforms us. And he sees the precious blood of the, the pure sacrifice lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world, right? On the doorpost of our heart. That's what he sees. And then he makes us new creations in him. And we become transformed. And we start to learn 
to be able to be walking in the light. Because the more light that, that we can emanate with our loving one another, holding to the precepts of God, the more that we can do that, darkness can't comprehend it. Darkness has to go. It can't stay. If we all walk in the light of God, have his Holy Spirit, the Shekinah glory, the Kabbalah of God in our hearts, in our lives, in our mindset, darkness has to go. It, it can't stay in the same place. Does that make sense? So, you know, the light that shines in this darkness and Jesus Christ comes into the world bringing good news of God's salvation to every per person. As Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah foretold, the people walking in darkness have seen the great, great light. Those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The life of Jesus, which is the life of the creator God himself, is the light of the world. No power of darkness can defeat or snuff out this light. Jesus is the giver of light. Jesus is the bearer of light. The Son of God continues to shine in his light to humankind through his church and the body of Christ. And this is what guarantees us whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. So when I'm thinking about um, this here, um, I'm thinking that when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, right? Well, <coughs> it's the second of the seven I am declarations of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of John. The point to, to his unique, divine identity and purpose. In declaring the great I am's, remember, ego I a. That's what, when he identified himself to Moses. I am who I, that I am, right? Well, he's saying now, I am the same thing. He's, you know, going forward now and declaring himself to be the light of the world. Jesus is claiming that he is the exclusive, only source of spiritual light. No other source of spiritual truth is available to mankind. So there are two types of light in the world. We can perceive one or both or neither. But when we're born into this world, we perceive, like I said, that physical light. And we learn by our creator's handiwork, the tapestry of God, the magnificent majesty of his artistry in the things we see. However, all that light is good. There is another light, the light that is so important. It's pivotal. It's life-changing. The Son of God has come to declare that. The incarnate God. He came fully man, fully God. I am the light of the world. We take a candle into a room to dispel the darkness, right? Have we ever lived through a power outage? And you know, you get the flashlight or a candle, right? And you're walking. Likewise, the light of Christ has to be taken into the darkness, okay? of sin, and it, that engulfs people's hearts 
and the lives because people are struggling, people are hurting, people are crying, they're in pain, they're in agony. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. And it's the only thing that can penetrate all of this. That's the condition behind having the light, that when we follow him, because if we don't follow him, we don't have this light. And we don't have that Holy Spirit illuminating and directing and anointing. We want the anointing of God in everything we do. That's the blessing. Does that make sense? So, Jesus, following Jesus, my brothers and sisters, is a condition of two promises in John 8, 12. First, his followers will never walk in darkness. What is this telling us? This is our blessed assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. This is our blessed assurance of salvation that we enjoy, you and I, as true followers of Christ, the light, that spiritual light. We will never follow the ways of sin. Yes, will we fall and make mistakes? But that's why we repent with a contrite heart. We're not perfect yet. We're in the sanctification process now. But God said that, you know, he came, John 3, 16, uh, for God so loved the world came uh, <coughs> that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, right, everlasting life. But John 3, 17 also is important. For he did not come into this world to condemn, but rather that through the receiving of him, men might find true salvation. So when you become a follower of Christ, when you have the light of God in you, you are no longer condemned. You are redeemed. You are, you are a son and daughter of the Most High King. You are a, a, a member of a royal priestly family. You are, you have value. God loves you. Don't ever think that God doesn't love you. He loves you. He loves you. So, this is how we do our witnessing. This is how we uh, work in walking in the light. And, you know, walking in the light is just, it's not hard. It means I follow you, Lord Jesus. I follow you, Lord Jesus. It's how we live our life. It's our lifestyle. That's what God wants. Our faith, it has to be active. It has to be how we live out our life. Light in the Bible can be a metaphor of many things, happiness, life, righteousness, understanding. But the Bible is clear that the light comes from the Lord God, the Father of heavenly lights, James 1.17. He's the opposite of evil, putting it all together, walking in the light simply means Growing in holiness. God says, be holy for I am holy. And maturing in the faith as we follow Jesus. So if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Christ Jesus, his son, cleanses us all from sin. God's very nature is light. 
He's gone through great, great effort to explain to us both physically, supernaturally, spiritually, light. So that we could comprehend him. So that we could be one in him. So that we could be part of this. Because God's, you know, the, the Apostle John says that God's very nature is light. Jesus then is that conduit. He's that, that path, the provider of light in the world. So I want us to just thank the Lord. And as we uh, come together right now, Lord God, I thank you for this word, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that you are the light of the world. I thank you, Lord, that um, through you, um, all the blessings flow, Lord God. I pray, Lord, illumination. I pray that this message has resonated. I pray, Lord God, that, um, that you will help. The Jews have been, you know, uh, in Scripture and Isaiah told, you know, that to be a light to all nations, meaning to the Gentiles, right, uh, of your splendor. And, and so, Lord, but it is you who is the light to all of us, both Jew and Gentile. The New Testament is so clearly identifies you, Lord Jesus, as the servant king. You're the Messiah, the Mashiach. And Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to 32, in basic, remember, according to Simeon, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, it is Jesus, the king of Israel, who is the glory of Israel and the light to Gentiles and to Jews. He's Jewish king, as promised and prophesied, and he came that both Jew and Gentile would worship him together in the truth and light of our salvation and the hope of God. And I thank you and I pray blessings upon you um, and be encouraged. Walk in the light of God. God bless you.